Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca. We hope you enjoy today's message. So I want to shift today. We've been talking about movement over the last few weeks, and our series has been called Move. And so the whole idea is God wants us to move as individuals. I think every year when we get to the start of a new year, if you're like me, you assess your life. Most people assess their life. They think, you know, what was last year like? And then how am I going to move forward this year? What stopped me last year? How can things be better this year? We, we all do that. Now, here's what I found, though. If my decisions to change are just kind of rooted in me and my good intention, they last like half a day. Anybody ever found that? Half, like even less sometimes. Like it's like, yeah, I'm going to do this thing. And the first week goes by and I didn't do that thing and I never do it. I never actually change because it was all about me trying and I just, I'm the same guy and I have the same issues. And so without God's help, I don't change. And so the whole focus for this last few weeks has been we need God. And if you look at, if you missed it, you could go back to week one uh, on the 14th where I talked about time for risk. And we looked at the story of Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20. We looked at how he was in a desperate situation, him and his nation, and how they were desperate enough to take a risk. That, that, did you realize that taking a risk requires desperation? Did you realize that human nature is not to take risk? How many people know this? You know this in your own life, right? I don't want to take a risk. Let's just keep things the same. I feel stable and safe, right? But the reality is for you and I to change sometimes and all the time, we have to take a risk. And we looked at the risk being four steps. Reality, we've got to face reality. I, inquiry, we've got to ask God, what's the issue? What's the problem? Where am I at? Where do you want to take me? S, we need to get a strategy. What's God saying? What's the plan now? We can't just do things the same if we're going to see change. And K is keep going. In other words, once God speaks, we need to do what he says. So we looked at that in week one. And if you missed that message, I encourage you to go online or on our app. Our app is working now. And you can listen to that, download it, and I'd encourage you. Second week, we looked at time for mission. That was last week. A little bit different message. I was focusing on the fact that we want to be a multi-generational church. And to be gut honest, I was apologizing <laughs> that I hadn't done a good job as a leader in seeing our children's ministry grow and doing my part to really promote it and support it and cover it. And so uh, if you want to hear me cry... Uh, listen to last week's message. You know, I'm serious. Some people like that. Oh, wow, I can hardly wait. So um, anyway, but that was what we talked about last week. We talked about uh, our multi-generational focus, how God wants to take us to the next level in that, and I'm believing that we're going to see change, and I'm excited about that. And today I want to look at, to conclude this series, I want to look at time for faith. Time for faith. And I want to look at how important it is that we have faith. And I want to look at what faith is. You know, and nowadays in Christianity, there's all sorts of kind of impressions about what faith is, to be honest. When you say faith, uh, people have all sorts of different ideas because there are a lot of different ideas about what faith is, what praying in faith is, what trusting God is. So I want to break it down this morning, which I believe is a very biblical perspective, uh, so that we can focus on that. And, and let me just say this again. Faith and trusting God often comes out of desperation. And I just want to reiterate, I wish it didn't take desperation. I wish I was way more proactive in my life, and I would change on my own. But I, I must admit, I need desperation. By the way, I want to say this. 
I have personally thoroughly enjoyed these days of prayer. And, and here's something to encourage you with. You know, when we don't have rain, you know, like we're kind of dry here in southern Alberta often. And so think about when the soil's really dry and you can't even grow anything. And then you have a little bit of rain, right? Like maybe it rains for half a day or two hours, right? And you're like, oh, it rained last night. But it's like really, it's not a lot, right? And so if you were to dig underneath the surface of the soil, it would be really dry underneath. It might be moist on top, okay? Sometimes I think that's what happens in our spiritual life. Now hear me on this. We get dry. We're pouring out. We get dry. And we're like that. Like our soul is actually really dry. Now then we go and spend time with God in prayer. You know, maybe we give him an hour. Or, or maybe we, we give him a half hour. Or, or there's a bit each day or whatever. But it's like a little rain. Like little rain. We go, oh, I prayed. And I got a little bit. And the soil's a little bit moist. But we're still really dry underneath. You know what I'm saying? You get what I'm... There are times, and I don't even think there's times, I think that we need to more and more, where we really need to soak in God. Like, like we really need to get serious and spend more time and more worship, and, and it becomes like way more. And you know, I'll just tell you this as your leader, God really spoke to me last period of time, and I just realized how deficient I've been. I realized that, yes, I've been praying, but it's kind of like those one-hour rains. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm kind of dry, but oh yeah, I prayed. I needed to like really have a rain in my life and i'll be honest with you i've had some rain over the last little while as i worship as i spent way more time with god i'm feeling better and i'm like how stupid could i be i'm being honest i'm being really honest with you i'm thinking what's with you you know you get so busy and then you're just giving god like you're praying but it's not enough can i just tell all of you as i tell myself this we cannot expect more if we're not going to be with god more we can't we just can't because otherwise, it's our human efforts. And how far has that gotten you so far? How far has that gotten me so far? How far has that gotten our church so far? I'm serious. We need God. We need his touch. We need his supernatural power. And I just, I have not been so watered in a while. And so I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm not going back to the one-hour rain guy. I, I, I'm determined to stay under the spout, Okay. All right, And I encourage you, too, to do the same thing. If you're sensing change in your life, if you're sensing a shift in your life, then don't go back. Go say, oh, my 10 days of prayer are over. No, they just started. Like, this just started for you. Um, and if you haven't engaged in this, I'm not here to kick your butt too hard, but I want to lovingly encourage you to engage, okay? Because here's what happens. We, we don't even know what's good for us sometimes. We don't know. And, here, and we get lethargic, and we get weary, and we get tired, and we get a bad attitude. And you know what? We don't do what is good. We actually kind of boycott God. Now, why would we do that? He is our source. He is our help. We need him more. And I just encourage you to really continue to engage. And, and, and maybe here it's day eight or, what is it, seven today? And you're like, well, I haven't even been part of it. Well, you know what? In the Bible, people join late, and God still blessed them. You know what I mean? So join late. Say, I'm going to start fasting tomorrow. I'm going to start doing something tomorrow. I'm going to start praying tomorrow. And, and God will meet you. Are, are you hearing me? Because, and I'm just, whatever. You know, I just sense for so many of you, as I sense for myself, that God is so darn committed to your change and your improvement in your life. Like, he is more committed to it than you are. And that I have been at times. Like, he is so determined that you're going to grow. He thinks of it. He thinks of you. And, and he just yearns for you to come to him. He yearns for you. And, and, and push through that battle because the devil, the enemy of your souls, he will keep you back from this. 
He will make you so flippin' busy that you think, I have no time for what really matters. Isn't that ridiculous? And God says, get your priorities straight, get focused, and watch what I will do. And watch what will break in your heart. Because God is not content for you to limp along like you have been. He wants more. All right, let's pray. I'm done preaching. Okay, no. I do have a message. All right. So let's, talk, let's look at faith. I like what Dr. Phil Pringle says. He's got an excellent book called Faith. He's, uh, there's a church uh, in this city that's actually connected with his network. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it right now. But anyway, Dr. Phil Pringle, excellent, one of the best books on faith. He says this, the basis for faith in, in prayer is God loves me, God is a good God, and it's God's will to answer my prayer. That's what the base of faith is. God loves me, God is a good God, and God will answer my prayer. Now, we could pack that, we could pack that out, pack that, break that down, pardon me, and say, you know, we, if we doubt God loves us, then we're probably not going to pray. If we don't think he's good, we're not going to pray. And if we don't think he's going to answer, we're not going to pray. But the reality is, faith says, God's good, he's going to answer me, and he's going to lead me forward. So we're going to look at four stages today of prayer, all right? We're going to go through this, of how to pray in faith. The, step, the first step is desire. And this relates very well to um, what we talked about with desperation, right? Desperation, desire is the same thing. It can be born of a deep need, and it's something placed on our hearts by the Lord, a desire. Look at, look at this in Mark 11. This is such a classic verse. Faith requires desire. If we're going to be people of faith, people that believe for big things, people that believe for more, we have to have a passion and desire in our hearts. Look what it says in Mark 11. Have faith in God. And ultimately, that's where our faith lies, isn't it? It's in God. It's in his power. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea. And I like that because that means the mountain moves. Isn't that what we're talking about? We're talking about movement. If anyone says to this mountain... Uh, go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that when he says what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. Does anybody believe this is actually in the Bible? This is in the Bible. This is actually scripture. It says that if we believe in our hearts, now there's some reasons for how we believe and what we believe. I get that. But but, but the element is this, as we are people of faith and trusting what God has told us, we can speak to the mountains in our life. We can speak to the difficulties that we're facing. And God says, I'll hear you and I will remove those mountains. You know what I think, again, the biggest problem is for us often as Christians? We don't actually believe in prayer. It's true. We don't actually believe. Because let me just say something. If we believed in prayer, we would pray a lot more. Don't you agree? We would. We'd go, man, I have this available to me? You mean I can get with God and he will respond to me and he will answer? Well, man, I better get with God because he's going to answer. But do you know what the problem is? We, and let me just say this. There's reasons for this. We've been disappointed. And so what happens is we equate our situation in life with God's truth. And we say truth is not what the Bible says. Truth is my experience. Okay. And so we say, prayer doesn't work because it doesn't work for me. Now, let me just say this. Um, there might be reasons why you have not had answered prayer, right? And it's not God wanting to withhold from you. 
sometimes sin in our lives will block God from answering prayer, right? We're, we're, we're saying, God, do this in my life. And God's saying, you know, you're being disobedient in an area of your life. You're not obeying me. And you want me to bless you? And I can't. I need you to repent. I need you to change your way. And then I will bless you. Then I can do something in your life, right? But then we blame God, though. We go, oh, God, he doesn't want to, he doesn't love me. He doesn't care about me. He loves you. He's grieving over you. He wants more for you, more than you do. He sees you differently than even you see yourself. He sees you way uh, uh, more possibilities for you than you do. Often, we think of ourselves very small. We, we look at our lives, and, and we just think, I'm insignificant. You know, I, I'm weak. I could never. And God says, that is just not how I see you. I see the possibility you have in me. So I love the King James Version. This is the version I learned when I was growing up. I remember memorizing this. What, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe ye receive them, and ye shall have them. <laughs> King James. But I like the word because it's desire. Whatsoever things ye desire. In other words, there's some passion. Now, some of you might be sitting here and you're thinking, I don't have passion in my heart anymore. I don't have, I don't believe for anything. In fact, I'm just kind of hanging on, hoping that it just is okay. I don't really have. And pastor, you know, you're telling me this, and, and honestly, I can't receive it, and, and you know, and, and I'm not there, and so, you know, be quiet. Like, you might, I mean, maybe you don't feel that quite that way, but you might feel that way. And, and God just wants to give you new passion and new desire. And, and the reality is God wants to give us the desires of our heart. He says that in the word, because desires come from him. You know, I believe in this room, there are some desires that God has given some people here, and some of you have just shelved them completely. In fact, some of you have thrown them out the window and said, I don't think that will ever happen for me. And the reason is you've been disappointed. The reason is uh, your heart hurts. Now, I'm not here to diminish your heart, and I'm not here to diminish your disappointment. But I'm here to stir you and encourage you that those desires were from God, and God wants you to pick them up again. And God wants you to begin to look at them. And with him, he's going to work to fulfill them. He didn't give you those desires to torment you. You ever had that? You, you, you feel like God's spoken something to you. You feel like he's promised you something, and it feels like it's never going to happen. In fact, it feels like it's the opposite. I've had that in my own life. It can feel tormenting. God, why did you put this desire in my heart? It just seems so impossible. I don't even want to pursue it anymore. But you know what? When we have to deal with that, it actually builds us. It actually does something in us that prepares us to see that happen. So desires from God. Hebrews 11 says this about faith. It says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now think about it for a minute. It means that something is so real in your spirit, in your heart, in your life, something God has spoken to you is so real that you see it and know it's true even though you don't see it physically. You just, you just know this is going to happen. You know God has this, and you are tenacious to hold on to it. Like I look at our church. Let me just talk about this for a minute. When I look at Church of the Rock Calgary, right? Here we are six years in. And I'll be honest. You know, I, I wanted us in my heart and eyes, I had us being bigger at this point and, and, you know, different thoughts and ideas behind what would happen at this point, right? And that's, that's fine. I think that's good. And there's reasons this church is called, I believe, to be 
like a hub church in our area. I believe we're called to plant other churches. I believe that there, there are other ministries that are within, as it were, the loins of this church. I believe there's training. I believe people are to come into this church like a center to be sent out to other parts of Canada, to other parts of our network. I think there's a big call on this church. I know it. Now, I could look at what it is right now and say, this isn't it yet, and it isn't. And I could despair of that. And I'll be honest, at times I have. Got to be honest. Times I've gone, God, this isn't what I thought it would be. I don't even, I can't make this happen, God. I don't know. Not smart enough. We can't get out of this building. I don't know what to do. And, you know, God actually uses those things to do something. What does he do? He creates desperation. He creates a new passion to pursue him and see him do it. Because we can't. But let me just say this. But through the eye of faith, I look at this church right now and I can see it. And especially after praying and seeking God, I can see it. It's real, church. It's there. It's God's plan for us. And it will come. Now, that's called faith. Faith says, I see it. I don't see it here, but I see it by faith. It's God's promise, and God's going to do it. And I can tell you right now, definitively, from my heart, that I believe it, church. I believe it. God's going to do that here. He is. He's going to do it with you. You're part of it. Well, he's not like, well, I'll just see how that goes, Pastor. I'm here cheering. cheering. I'm in the stands. No, you are in the game, right? You're part of the team. Come on. And some of you here don't even understand what God wants to do with you yet. You don't even understand the giftings he's given you. You don't even understand how he's going to grow you. And you're going to step up. And you're going to do stuff you never thought you could do. You don't know it. But just hang on because he's going to show you. Because if we're going to be that kind of church, which we are, then it's going to mean more engagement from you. It's going to mean growth and leadership and all that good stuff. But my bottom line is this. Faith is being sure what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. You know, what, what we need God to do, and this is where I want to encourage you, is we need to say, God, put that kind of faith in my heart. Like, rekindle that in me. Help me see again. Just kind of like what I said about this church, right? Like, my eyes had dimmed. My vision had shrunk. I was only looking at what we had. I wasn't looking at what God was saying. And that's, for many of you here, that's your life right now. You've done the same thing in your life. You've kind of made these choices. God, I guess this is as good as it will ever be. I'll just hang on and do my best. God's saying, that's not what I have for you. I have more for you. And I want you again to let me put in the desire and passion for your life. No buts, no you can't, no the past, nothing. I want you to put that in me again. And then God... I am willing to engage in faith to believe you to do it. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I believe that when you've spoken and you've said it, it's going to happen if I'm obedient and I follow you. Do you hear what I'm saying? For some of you, it's just an act of your will again. You, you just got to gotta let go of the past, and you've got to let go of your disappointment and your pain, and you should go to the encounter weekend because God wants to set you free. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> I feel bold today. Is that okay? Yeah. But I mean it. God wants to do something. And God wants some of you to get up and start to engage in what he wants to do because he is ready. He's waiting. He's there. He just says, come on. I want you to get moving. Yeah. So Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. 
when you and I delight in the Lord, and that's why we need to know the desires are his, but, but if we delight in him, if we spend time with him, if we put our focus on serving him, here's the good news. The desires we have will be his, right? You ever wonder why Mark eleven twenty four 24 could say, whatever you desire when you pray, believe you received it and you will have it? I mean, th that seems pretty open check to me. Like, wow, really? I want a Tesla. You know what I mean? Like, like God, whatsoever you desire, I want a Tesla, God, and then I'm going to pray and it's going to happen. <laughs> to blow your bubble, that won't happen, okay? Because it's not about what I desire. It's not about just frivolous things I want, but it's the desire God gives me. And so when I pray out of whatsoever things you desire, what are those desires? Those are God's desires. Those are the things he's put in my heart, the longings for him to work and move in my life and in my family and in my business. Those are God's desires. He gave those to you. So he says, whatsoever things you desire, the things I put in your heart, believe that you receive them. Why? Because I promised you and they will be yours. This is in the Bible. You knew that, right? This is in the Bible. God puts desires in our heart. Then he says, I want you to pursue me. I want you to pursue that. I want you, it'll probably be bigger than you. It'll be bigger than you can do. And that's fine because you need God. But faith says that desires from God. I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to believe when I pray he's going to do it, and I believe he's going to begin to align my life so it happens. That's faith. And that's what God wants from his church, and that's what God wants from us individually. Okay, step two is decide. So number one, desire. Number two, decide. Decision is faith operating in our will. Let me just say this. A mind that is unmade, a mind is unmade by lack of decision-making. But a mind is made clear through strong decisions. How many people can recall times where you're kind of double-minded and confused? How many people love those states, eh? Don't you just love that? You're just so foggy and confused. And it's like, should I do this? Uh, or should I do this? Uh, or should I do this? Or should I do this? Or what, what is God? And you're just, and what do you end up doing when you're confused? Nothing, Right? Let me just say something. The reason some of you don't do much when it comes to what God's calling you to do is you're confused. You're double-minded. You're not clear. Can I just say something today? God wants to make you clear. He wants clarity to come in your mind again. Because, it, it, you know, James says, James 1.5 says this. Let's read this together. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. So here's, so when you and I lack wisdom, we're encouraged. Ask God and he'll give it to you. That's good news, isn't it? Now, let's go on. But, oh, that's a big but of the Bible. It's going to be in my book. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. So it's like this. It's like this is how we pray sometimes. We pray, God, you've said this to me. You promised this to me. So I, I'm believing with you. However, but I'm not really sure you're going to do it. Do, 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 you get, do you see that? So on the one hand, I'm saying, God, I'm asking you, but I don't really believe you're going to do it. Well, you're unstable. You're double-minded. You're, you're saying, I believe this is God. I believe he wants to do this. But on the other hand, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not going to believe it. And it produces instability, doubt and unbelief. All that negative thinking. God wants you to be clear. You know, most theological experts agree that James is probably the half-brother of Jesus. 
okay? Can you imagine growing up with Jesus, like half-brother in that, you know, Jesus' father's God, and James's father was Joseph, okay? Same mother, different father. <laughs> it's really the thing, right? So, so James grew up with Jesus. And actually, the Bible's clear that his brother struggled to believe he was the Messiah. Now, think of your own brother, you know? Think of your own brother. I mean, you know, you grew up with your brother. I'm thinking of Doug and Mary right there, right? Like, you grew up with your brother, and, and you see him for who he is, right? Like, Jesus would have been an amazing brother, because he wouldn't have been rude. He would have been very caring and never selfish. Like, he, seriously, he wouldn't be grabbing the toy. That wasn't Jesus, right? So he'd be a really good brother. But still, you know, he starts functioning after age 30 and, and, and miracles that you never saw. And, and, and then people are saying he's the Messiah. And you're like, well, hold on a minute, right? Like, we used to play in the sandbox together. <laughs> he's not the Messiah. And that was James. James struggled. Now, he obviously got through it because... He made Jesus his savior, and he became the leader of the, ch the church in Jerusalem. But can you imagine his instability of thinking? At, at some point, he would have been unstable. Like, is he the Messiah? But he's my brother. But he's the savior. But he's my brother, right? Like, it would be tough. And he finally came to peace. So that's how we are sometimes. We're unstable like that. So James knew what he was talking about, about indecision. He was saying this. You need to make a choice. You need to be determined. No more in between. You know, in Revelation, it says, don't be hot or cold. Or don't be lukewarm, be hot or cold. God actually likes it when people are definitive about their service to him. You're either for me, you're against me. The guy in the middle who's trying to play it both ways, I'll spit him out of my mouth. Right? I mean, it's a pretty gross picture. But, you know, lukewarm water on a hot day, you don't like that. You get rid of that. Jesus is saying, I'd rather you be really cold, kind of like, I'm not going to serve you. I can respect that. Okay, we'll work on that. Or you're really hot. But the guy in the middle who is double-minded and struggling with his commitment, God just says, look, I want you to get, on, get off the fence and be serious. Because instability produces, double-mindedness produces instability. Could it be that the instability in our lives sometimes is that we're trying to play it both ways? Could it be that we've not really made a clear decision to follow what God has said? Could that be? Could that be why we feel the instability? Something to think about. Important for us to know. Sometimes, too, God has spoken to us about what he wants to do, but we're not willing to take steps of faith. You know, we, we, we almost, it's like Heath Hazel, who is a spiritual father, the founder of our LifeLeaks network that I'm we're part of. He's a spiritual father. He's in heaven now, but to Val and I. He had this statement. I remember one time I was probably 17, 18 years old, and I was in one of the services. He was my pastor. And this, this young man got up and went to the front to give his life to Christ. And I watched him go up there. And I was a pretty on-fire guy and, and a leader in some ways. And so afterward, Keith came over to me, rebuked me, said, Ian, if you ever see someone like that go up to receive Christ like that again, you go up with them. He says, don't wait for the sky hook to come and pick you up. That's what he told me. It always stuck with me, the sky hook, like God's going to lift me up and put me down. And there I am. And he was just saying, you got to move. Sometimes we wait for the sky hook. You know, if God wants to use me, he'll just do it. No, he needs you to start moving, right, in that direction. And that's what I'm talking about. Here, here's a story from Mark chapter 10. And it's of a, man, a blind man named Bartimaeus. And he sat by the road begging. And when he heard Jesus was coming, he started calling out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he was, he was irritating. 
You ever been near that guy at the hockey game who's too loud, right? Who has the big red horn, and you're like, I want to stuff that horn down your throat. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, you're, you're trying to pay attention to the game, and there's this guy with the big cowbell, and, you know, that kind of stuff. So this is kind of picture. Jesus coming, and it's like, you know, everybody's like, Jesus is coming. I can hardly wait. And this guy's yelling loud beside you. Hey, Jesus. You're like, be quiet. We're here to watch the Savior. He's coming, right? Well, this guy's yelling out, and Jesus hears him. And so Jesus goes over and, uh, the, and says to him, be of good cheer. Rise. This is what the disciples say, be of good cheer. Isn't it like when they, nice when they say, be of good cheer? I like that. Be of good cheer. So... It says, throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered him. Now, Jesus asked him something really funny here. Now, think about this for a minute. The guy's blind, okay? And he's calling out, Jesus, have mercy on me, right? It should be pretty clear what's going on. He's blind. He wants to get healed. I, I think it's pretty clear. Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do for you? Well, Jesus, the guy's blind. Like his disciples, like, Jesus is blind. Like, I think this is a sign, right? Like, you're making him feel uncomfortable. Come on. <laughs> and, and, but Jesus is, is not being, you know, in error. He's asking the guy, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man says, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus says, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Look what Jesus says. Your faith has made you well. And the guy left. Now, what was his faith? What? What, what made that man well? Well, he responded to Jesus. He had an opportunity. Jesus was present. Jesus was there. And Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? And he said, yes. And his trust and faith was that Jesus would do it. And so Jesus says, your faith has made you well. Now, let me just say this for a minute. Jesus wanted to make sure that man really wanted to be healed. You'd say, well, of course he wanted to be healed. He was blind, yeah? Well, sometimes we don't want to be healed. I know it sounds weird. But sometimes, to be honest, we can get in a victim mindset and we can get in our problem and we actually want to remain there. We actually, it's like something that's part of our identity almost. And, and we, we, we almost rely on it to gain sympathy or, or whatever. And, and Jesus says, do you really want to be healed? And he said, yes. Because here's what his healing required. Now, think of this. It says he threw off his coat, right? And we just think, oh, it was a hot day. He's getting up to see Jesus. He throws his coat off. No, listen. His coat represented his ability to beg. In those days, if you were going to, um, if you're going to beg by the side of the road like that, you need to be approved to beg. You, you needed to be someone that the authority said, yeah, he can beg. And, they, and the way they knew you were approved by the authorities is you had a, a special coat you put on, okay? So you put that coat on, and people, alms, alms. It was like, oh, yeah, that guy's legit. He's got his beggar's coat. He's approved. I'll give him money, okay? be the same as today, someone being downtown, and if they had like a badge or something that said, you know, they're approved, this is legit, right? You get what I'm saying? So when he took his coat off and threw it away, what was he saying? It was actually a huge step of faith. You hear what I'm saying? Because he's still blind, right? When he took his coat off and put it away, he's saying, I'm betting the farm on you, Jesus. I need my sight. I want my sight. And I'm willing to take the risk of losing my livelihood to be healed. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
And so he was showing incredible faith. He was saying, there is no backup plan for me. I'm taking my coat off. You're going to heal me, Jesus. And Jesus backs it up by saying, what do you want me to do? I want you to heal me. I know you can. Okay, your faith. See, sometimes we want to keep the coat on and we want Jesus to heal us. Listen to me. We want to keep, we want to hedge our bets, double-mindedness again. We want to say, you know, I want to play it the old way I always have, and I don't want to let go of, of all this old stuff because I kind of I kind of wallow in it, and it kind of, you know, and I, I just, I need that. But yeah, I want to be healed, but no, I want to hold on. And Jesus says, are you willing to take the coat off? Are you willing to burn the ship, to use another metaphor? Are you willing to put it all on me? That's called faith. And that's why this man was healed. See, again, for some of you here, I, I, I'm just, I'm poking you, I know it, but God's poking you. God says, I'm your solution, period. And whatever you're holding on to, whatever you're clinging to, whatever you put on, whatever addiction, whatever you are salving yourself with and saying, yeah, I want to be healed, but I want to hold on to this. He's saying, listen, I need you to take that off. I need you to bet the farm on me. I need you to, to believe that I am your source, period. And that's faith. And when you do that, I'm going to come through. You know, I just want to say this, church. There are going to be stories. You need to understand this. Some of you don't realize how seriously God is taking your pursuit of him right now. Some of you have dark situations. You have difficult lifestyles, circumstances, and you are seeking God. I know you are. You need to understand God looks and sees that. And in some ways, you're taking the coat off. You're saying, I am leaving this behind, and I'm betting the farm, and either you will come through for me, or I will not be saved. And God says, I love that. That's called faith. And I will honor your faith. That's prayer and faith. And that's what Bartimaeus has. All right, let's jump down here to step three. Step three is ask. Step three is ask. John 16, 24, until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Ask. James 4, 2, you want something, you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Now, let's talk about why we don't ask. Why don't we ask? Because, you know, the reality is I get into seasons in my life where I don't ask. I get very inward. I get discouraged. And I stop asking big. I stop believing big. I, I got to be honest with you. Why? Why do I stop asking? Well, obviously at that moment, I'm doubting. I'm, I'm actually discouraged and I'm unwilling to truly believe. Some of you need to start asking again. Yeah, but Ian, you don't understand my background. I've asked before. I've prayed before. Nothing's changed. No, you need to start asking again. You need to start coming to God with those requests again. You've stopped praying for that person, that loved one. You've stopped praying for that financial situation to change. You've stopped praying for that job situation to change. You've, you've given up. You, you basically have said to God, you don't hear me and it's not going to change. God's saying you need to start asking again, asking. Ephesians 6, 18, pray in the spirit on all occasions. Boy, let me just say this. I had a great time praying in the spirit this week. I shared that in my email. You know, that prayer language that's powerful. I mean, I already know that. I've even preached on it. But I just tell you, don't waste that thing. Like, you use that. You got, you've been filled with the Spirit. God's given you a, a prayer language. You're saying, I don't, some of you might be saying, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, ask us after. We'll help you with this. God can give you that. But seriously, if you've got that tongue and that prayer language, that is like the highway to heaven. You should be using that all the time, worshiping in that. 
Man, I had some great time. Whew, just thinking about it. It was so good. And I just want to encourage you, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Uh, I lost my spot. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. When we pray in faith, we're clear on what we want, and we're decided, we decided we're going to have it because God's promised it to us, and then we ask God to do it. And there's a tenacity on it that God wants. Let me show you this. Jesus gives us these stories that should inspire us. Here's one of them in, uh, in Luke 11. Jesus gives us a story. And here's the story. A friend comes to his other friend's house at night, and he's been really poor. He didn't get, on, he didn't, he didn't get over to Superstore. He, uh, it's closed. He's got friends coming from out of town. They need bread. They need food. And it's like, oop, pantry's bare. I don't have anything here, so what should I do? I'm going to go see my friend. Now, it's like midnight, and his friend's in bed. Now, you got to understand it. You know, I'm adding to the story, obviously, but in those days, they all stayed in the same area. So the guy was there with his family. They're all in the kind of a common area. And the man comes to the door, and he needs bread, and so he... I mean, we're talking middle of the night, right? You know how it is middle of the night? Something happens, and you're wakened up like you're, oh, like you're, you're dazed. The guy wakes up. And his friend goes, hey, hey, I need some bread. I got company coming. Yeah, I'm an idiot, I know. But I need some bread. He doesn't, doesn't say he's an idiot, but I need some bread. And his friend goes, go home. My family's all sleeping here. I'm not getting up and waking them up. And it's inconvenient for me. And I'm, I'm going to come in the morning. Come back in the morning. I'm turning over. But the guy at the door, he doesn't give up. He goes, hey, I need some bread. I got neighbors coming. I need some bread. Come on, get up, get me some bread. Well, this continues. And, and here's what the Bible says about it. <laughs> in verse 8, he says, I can't get up in verse 7. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, this is what Jesus says, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, there's something here. Jesus gave you this story. And so Jesus is saying, don't be quickly, easily dissuaded from what I want to give you. Now, you might come and say, Jesus, hey, I have a request for you. I have this need. Now, Jesus, let me just be clear here. He's not going to tell you to go away, and I'm not getting up. But there's a perspective. Now, he says this about this story, and I like this part. He says, though he won't get up because he's your friend. So this guy's these are friends. And in this case, the friend is not willing to get up because it's the middle of the night, okay? Even though he's a friend, he's like, you know, you're pushing our, our friendship, right? <laughs> like, I'm not getting up. But it says he'll get up because of his persistence. Now, let me just say this to you. God is your friend. This is the good news. So God's perspective here is even better than this story because God's your friend. Jesus said he's your friend. When we obey him and, and we do what he calls us to do, we are his friend. So you are Jesus' friend. He wants to help you. But what he's looking for from you and I and what praying in faith is, is that we are bold and persistent. We don't give up. I've shared the story with you before. I shared it in the email this week or touched on how my, my aunt, I called her my aunt, um, 
was 94 when I led her to Jesus in the hospital in Toronto. And we've been praying for her for nearly 40 years as a family. I mean, I remember being a little boy praying for Anti Lee. <laughs> Claire knows Anti Lee. And, and so, but 94, and Anti Lee comes to Christ and, and receives Christ. But that was 40 years of, hey, Jesus, Anti Lee, please touch her heart. We want to see her come to know you. Seriously, 40 years. And God came through. Now, I, I don't believe you're going to have to wait 40 years for everything you're believing for. But I'm just saying is, Jesus does say, be persistent. Don't give up. Hold on. When you know it's God, and when you know he said it, he's saying, hold on to it. And be persistent. And I will open the door. And I will give you what you need. And God wants to, God wants to give to some of you a new tenacity. Boldness in this, in this passage means unashamed barefacedness. I love that. Unashamed barefacedness. In other words, there is a boldness, there is a determination that will not be denied. You think of, in the Old Testament, you think of Israel wrestling with the angel. And I can't share the whole story, but, but there was a picture where Jacob, who became, changed his name to Israel, he wrestled with the angel. And he said this. The angel wrestled with him and said, let me go. And he says, I will not let you go till you bless me. And he was blessed. But he wouldn't let go. Sometimes I think we need to say to God, and this is faith, I will not let you go till you bless me. I will not let you go till you give me the wisdom till breakthrough comes. And, and listen, I can't always explain why God wants that, but he does. He wants that desperation. He wants that passion. And when we're that determined, he says here, I will do it. You know, as a church, we need to be that determined about the growth of this church and about all that God wants to do. And in your personal life, you need to be that determined about whatever God's promised. And I believe if we are, God will open those doors. Lastly, finally, step four, we love this part, receive. Receive. Mark eleven twenty four. therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you received it and it will be yours. Hebrews 11.1. 1, faith is being sure of what we hope for. Certain of what we do not see. Sometimes receiving what God has can come quickly. You ever had that before? Like it's like, wow. Like that was fast. Like seriously, I have had moments like that where it's like there's a need. Boy, God really provided. And then there's other times it's a while. I, I like what one of our leaders in Medicine Hat, the church we led there, used to say. He used to call it long faith. He said, God is looking for long faith. And that's the faith that's willing to believe maybe for years. Abraham had to have long faith. God gave him the promise, you're going to have a child. He'll be your heir. He waited 25 years for that to happen. He waited 25 years for that to happen, right? Why did God do that? God, that seems cruel. You told Abraham, like he's 75. He's already old enough. I mean, he's already really old. He's got to have a kid. And then it's like he's 100. God waits 25 more years. There was something God was doing in Abraham, to be honest with you. God was prepping Abraham. Sometimes the delay is God's prep for you to prepare you for the blessing he wants to give you. But Abraham, thankfully, never gave up. And even though he messed up in between, made some mistakes, had an Ishmael, he didn't give up. He, he really did have long faith. God wants us to have long faith. God wants us to believe even when it looks impossible. And, and he says here that when we do that, we will receive. So 
I want to encourage you today to put this into practice. I want to encourage you to desire, to say, God, what is the desire you have for me? What are the passions? And if you've lost your desire, you've lost your passion, then I encourage you to go to God and say, give me your vision again. Put those desires in my heart again. And Lord, and, and here's the thing, sometimes to have those desires and passions means that your discouragement, your past failures, your past mistakes need to be dealt with first. It's like all of that is clouding God's passion and desire for you. You need to deal with that. You need to go to the encounter weekend. <laughs> Sorry, I keep going back. But you need to do something. You need to get free from that. And then God can give you that desire again. Number two, you need to decide. You need to decide. I'm not going to be double-minded. I'm going to be determined. I'm, I'm, I'm betting the farm on this. I'm betting the farm on God's provision and God's breakthrough in my life. I'm deciding. No more. No more between two opinions. I'm not going to keep the beggar's cloak anymore. I'm going to put that down. I'm going to trust that God is my provision. And then you need to ask. Start asking again. Start asking big. I sense from the Holy Spirit that some of you, God says, your prayers are way too small. They become really small. And, and God challenges you again to start making the big prayers. Yeah, but I have, I have some very basic needs, Ian. Like, like, I can't be praying for these big things. I mean, you, you look at my life. I feel like God says, yeah, you know, seek me first in my kingdom. I will provide for your needs. Ask for those needs. But you need to start praying in faith for the big things again and for those bigger pictures. God's going to take care of the immediate, but he has a, a long-term picture for you. Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca.